and welcome to this, the sixth episode of the Foreign Podcast, the podcast for foreigners of every flavour. Six episodes, Mike. I can scarcely believe it. Yep. Six, one before seven, one after five. That's it. We're, exactly. we're nearly nearly there, wherever there is. We're, yeah, we're there nearly is. there. That's the mess of the situation, at least. <laughs> So on this podcast, we talk about um, all issues related to foreignness, and uh, we're going to kick off this week as we normally do. We're going to kick it off, Mike, yeah. with a with a new story, as, yeah. as is our as is our want. Yeah, and um, this new story is just about as depressing as you can get, I suppose. I mean, <laughs> woo, yeah, wow. <laughs> but uh, but you know, one of the reasons we did this is because maybe being foreign, but not for us, but for lots of other people, can be quite difficult. And um, there was a report from those uh, from the enemy uh, of last week, if you remember, <laughs> the Institute of Human Rights. But this is obviously the Danish Institute uh, for Human Rights. That four out of five, which again, quick maths, is eighty percent of, uh, as it says in the headline, non-Western immigrants. And that word that I mentioned, I think, in the first or second episode, Eftercomma, which is basically children of immigrants, first generation or second generation immigrants, um, say that they experience racism. Dear me. And uh, we all have a responsibility to take action, uh, to do something, says Rasmus Brugger um, from the Institute of Human Rights. And it's they have a, a 38-year-old woman called Siham El Haddad, sorry. And she says roughly a couple of times a year, she um, experience, she is kind of experiences hate speech when she walks on the street. Uh, one time she's actually been spat on. Oh my God. Uh, another time she's been pushed. And she says, and, and it says the common denominator for everything is her headscarf. Yeah. Uh, the article actually uh, starts by saying "hedemo valewudu here," which basically a hedemo is um, is a black-headed sort of seagull. I don't know if you've seen the white seagulls with the kind of black faces or the brown faces, yeah. and uh, that's a Danish kind of um, what Danish would call hukkerism. Hukker is that Danish concept of everything being cozy and nice, and okay. so hukker racism is just you know. It's just a joke. It's just a bit of a laugh, you know. That's it. As is yeah. all racism. <laughs> As is all racism. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, and it says that. Um, Hang on, just just for just so like, those of you, if if uh, any of you haven't been listening before, Mike actually lives in Denmark. Oh yeah, of course. To, yeah. Yeah, just, I live to, here. just to make, yeah. make that make that clear, I live in France, and uh, we kind of do this uh, this podcast to talk talk about. Uh, endlessly talk about racism in France and Denmark. Yeah, which is uh, amazing. Yeah, which is... <laughs> yeah, um, yeah, yeah. That's, you're probably right to have cleared that up. So, yeah, I live in Den- Denmark, but I... Uh, um, I uh, Yeah, I live in Odense, which is uh, nowhere near Copenhagen, and Copenhagen is probably, just like every major capital city, the most multi-ethnic area um or has some of the most multi-ethnic areas in Denmark. Mm. And uh, so this woman, Siham El Haddad, she said that uh, just at the end of October, she was walking with her her two kids, who are four and nine years old, and her husband in a place called, uh, uh, from a place called Osterbrog, or to Nürburgring in uh, Copenhagen, which is pretty much the centre and 
the very multi-nithic area. And a woman just came up to her about a headscarf and said, you need to, you need to take it off. Mm. And then she says, um, she didn't really hear what the woman said. And the woman said, you have to take off your headscarf. There are too many of you. Um, you are unintelligent, said the woman. Ooh. And uh, and walked on. And um, But this, this for me is the most interesting part of it uh, from a kind of, for those of you who uh, don't know me, I'm a social sciences teacher, which is sociology and politics and economy, and also an English teacher. But anyway, she says here, she's quoted as saying, this makes me feel different. We are mm. Danish. Mm. I was born and raised in Denmark. So, of course, my family are Danes. Mm. But this experience makes me feel outside. And then if you take that quote and then go back to the headline, they're called non-Western immigrants and that mm. eftercomma, which is second generation. And there has also been a debate in Denmark if third generation immigrants, can they be classified as Danish? Mm. And even in my sociology classes, so it's part of like national curriculum that you have to know the difference between an immigrant, that eftercomma, the second generation, what that actually means, and mm. being Danish. So, for example, I'm an immigrant, but my ex-wife is Danish. So that means as my children have one Danish parent, then my kids are classified as Danish. But They're, they're okay. They're okay. But obviously, if you came from Turkey or wherever in the 50s and 60s when they first came to work in, in Denmark, like their grandchildren, those people's grandchildren who are still here, you know, there's still a debate still, of whether they should be a... classified as Danish. Yeah. And it's rooted, obviously, in these cultural differences and there has been kind of uh, like segregation and parallel societies that have built up. And mm. Denmark, as most other Western countries, have handled immigration so poorly. So there's these, there's these kind of uh, sort of subcultures that have been allowed to sort of uh, exist and not really integrate fully and there's obviously also been the pushback of obviously racism and stuff, which isn't really encouraging for people to, uh, but yeah, so, so, but there are problems, there are sociological problems, societal problems related to these groups. So in mm. order to talk about these problems, then you have to give these groups names, mm. but the name itself then is, you know, is it, it excludes marks it. You, marks you as different. Yeah. Yeah. It marks you as different. And, and that's a problem. Which is why maybe, as we've spoken about again in an earlier podcast, British people mm. call themselves expats because mm. those mm. cultural problems that can result of coming from maybe a more uh, Eastern country, many people who are European don't have that. So mm. in order to sort of separate oneself from these cultural differences of coming from the East, different. you call yourself something different. Mm. But, but as she says here, she says... Uh, it says here that um, that this Rasmus Borger guy, the uh, the chief ana um, analyst for the Institute of Human Rights, says that we know there are problems, but the numbers, but the, the fact that the numbers are so high really kind of takes him back, takes him aback, and uh, it makes him worried. He says. Um, he also says that we do have to underline that. It is it's people who've uh, experienced racism. So it could also be that 
people feel that they are either treated unfairly when going for a job mm-hmm. or etc. And it isn't actually anything to do with racism. It could be, but it doesn't really matter. Again, he says he says eighty percent is so high. Because you just have to take it seriously, no matter yeah, what. Yeah, yeah, of course. It's. I, think, you know, I, I actually read. I read the article in French, and it's at, it, it said uh, "racisme perçu," which means perceived racism. So yeah, basically perceived the, racism. The, uh, yeah. It's uh, whether or not the person thinks they've been treated differently because of their um, ethnicity. Basically, I mean, have you have you ever have you ever experienced anything like this in Denmark personally, Mike? No, I can't. Not on, I, the, on the on the street kind of thing. No, no, not on the street. I've had people again just really want to remind me constantly, sort of uh, when they're maybe a bit drunk that I'm English and what do you yeah. know, Englishman, or something okay. like that. But I can't compare it to to people kind of you know shouting at me in the I've street had, or being spat on. You know, I've I've never been spat on, but I, I've had a. Uh... I've had people call uh, when I've been with my kids in uh, in town in Montpellier. I had one guy like walk past us and heard us speak English, and uh, called us English idiots. Like it, like it literally, wow. I was I was standing there with my kids. Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. uh, you know, like I can speak French pretty well, Mike. Do you know what I mean? It's <laughs> just like what? <laughs> I, I was so staggered. I just I didn't say anything to him. Like and my my son was just like what the hell. You know what I mean? And we we both just sort of stood there, just stood there completely aghast, and he just like walked off. It was just it, just a completely baffling incident. But I know that uh, like in France, I had a I had a friend when I was when I was learning French at, um, in Montpellier. She was from Egypt, and uh, she wore a hijab. She doesn't wear it anymore, actually, because uh, I think well, she just felt this. Thanks for like She didn't really need to anymore. And um. Yeah, she she told me that she'd uh, she'd had people on the on the bus literally like shout at her face, "Go back to your country." That's in France, you know. Crazy. It's just uh, yeah, I'm like I'm not. So, I mean, four out of five. I mean, that's pretty bad, <laughs> Mister Denmark. Yeah, that's that's uh, that, that's uh, like I think I like I said I did read the article and the um, the dude from the uh, from the from the association says like you know we we should all be worried about that and I I kind of agree with him you know yeah I kind of agree but uh, even more uh, I suppose alarmingly if there's eighty percent of people that um, feel they've experienced racism it says here that um, one of the conclusions of the report is that only eleven percent actually report it to the police mm-hmm. and um, that's an even bigger problem because these people who are discriminated, or, or these people from uh, who, you know, or immigrants, just to say, they, they 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 obviously don't feel that it, you know, that it's worth it, that worth anything actually is going to come about, of it. Yeah. So then you kind of obviously have this. You can maybe draw a conclusion from that that they feel that society is kind of against them, mm. and that the uh, and that the uh, yeah that the authorities and the institutions aren't really for them because I'm pretty sure if a Danish person was spat on on the street or yeah. pushed, one of the first mm-hmm. things they do is, is phone the police. Call the cops. Yeah. yeah. Call the cops because you'd obviously think that, yeah, someone's going to, got to do something about that. But if you mm-hmm. kind of just shrug your shoulders and pass it off as well, nothing is going to happen anyway. Then, then that kind of apathy and miss and, and general mistrust mm-hmm. is, is really what creates these parallel societies and doesn't, and actually makes things worse rather than makes it better. I couldn't agree more, Mike. Thank you. But what she says at the end is that, um, which is also slightly, you know, also just as depressing as everything else, 
that many people that she knows, um, well, because they're saying that this can affect all different kinds of uh, things in people's lives. And one of the things that can also affect is their choice of education. And yep. she was saying that many have actually chosen a new, uh, an education that she knows based on whether it can be used in other countries if you actually feel the need to move away. And then she says that think if a white Danish person had the feeling that you don't know if you want to be here tomorrow. That is a thought that many of us have, even though we're born in Denmark, she says. Yeah, that's yeah and that's really quite depressing, isn't it? Yeah, really. that's really sad. Yeah, yeah. And um, so, yeah, but, you know, it's it's a difficult thing to sort of go around then saying Dan- Denmark is a racist country because, you know, I, as I said, you know, I don't know any and mm. and I haven't seen it. And um, I've heard, yeah, again, well, people it. maybe that's make the, jokes yeah. and stuff, but I've heard people make jokes in England. But I've mm. never actually seen someone be, like, actually racist towards someone else. I've overheard people's conversations maybe, and I've just sort of shaken my head and thought, oh, my God, sort of thing. Mm. But I've never actually seen it. And it does raise the question, if I actually saw it, like, would I do anything about it? I've got to be honest, I, I've never, apart like apart from the incident that I sort of mentioned before, I've never seen any sort of anti-Islamic racism. I've never seen that. I've, I've never actually seen it, you know, apart from, uh, I've seen TV slogans, like, slogans on yeah. walls. and Yeah, exactly. <laughs> on Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, so politicians talking or whatever, but actually on the streets, I've never, I've never seen, you know, uh, uh, hijabi spat on or anything like that I've never seen that no. you know what I mean and to be honest if I did see that I would do something about that do you know what I mean like even if it was just filming it to give to the cops or whatever do you know what I mean yeah I really hope I would because that's what this Rasmus Borga from the Institute of Human Rights says yeah. that more and more of us uh, in, in, in employ- employers but mm. also uh, the, some, uh, the, the, the general society has to actually sort of uh, you know do something and say yeah. something if they uh, if they see it. And, I um, mean, there's 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 so much that we can talk about you know, in relation to this. I mean, you know, I could say, for example, you know, for again, for those who haven't been listening, I'm I'm a master's student. I'm in, I'm doing um, I'm studying uh, fiction fiction at the University of Nîmes in the south of France. And I would say, you know, for example, like you know, no one. Uh, I've never seen anything like this in my class, but then, you know, uh, no one in my class is a Muslim. Yeah, you know right. what I mean? It's yeah. just like, you know, literally everyone, you know, apart from literally one person, everyone is white. Do you yeah. know what I mean? It's, uh, I mean, they, you know, there are, there are so many issues that you could, you know, that you really have to question that. Like, I do question that, you know, because it's just, you know, as we talked about, like, last week, you know, France has a, a very relatively very high level of, uh, of 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 muslim people in in the in the population I mean, it's it's high it's like you know it's 10% or whatever yeah. or 9% or something like that um but you know it would appear that you know for certain you know uh, domains such as the arts or whatever but you know there are i don't see many muslim people doing that kind of thing put it that way so i mean there's obviously no. and i've got the, like one uh, colleague i think or maybe two colleagues who are who have, who are muslim yeah. Uh, out of, um, I think, about 100, 110 like, academics. And academics are, yeah, masters. You know, we all have master's degrees. That's and insane. I think only two, only two of them um, employed at my school. I'm not saying, you know, but uh, employed at yeah, my yeah, school. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe, may, may, yeah, uh, are, from what I know of, have, uh, yeah. Non-Western uh, origins. Yeah, like. yeah, non-Western origins. And yeah. um, 
But it's just like at the university, like I was saying, like in the south of France, there is a lot of like um, uh, of of immigration from North Africa. You got a lot of Maghrebi people that come here, people from um, mainly from uh, Algeria and uh, and Morocco. But I I see a lot of um, a lot of Muslim students at school, for example, at at the university. But there's just that there's none in doing what I'm doing. But like regardless, it's a bit off topic. I was just say. Uh, I'm really glad you highlighted this because, like, it's. Uh, I think it's it's very easy if you're if you're white and living in a Western country to to not be aware of the kind of the kind of racism that people uh, people can face, especially if they are visually marked, if you like, by the clothes they wear, yeah. by the color of their skin. Yeah. You know, it's it, it's real racism, and it's uh, and it's no, you know, when it's as prevalent as that, I mean, then it, it really is no joke. So I'm really glad that you you talked about this. this and one of the things today. I hear um, in people's, I don't know, it's it's difficult because obviously no one, um, you know, there's a guy called uh, Ibrahim Kendi who wrote uh, How to Be an Anti-Racist and. Um, we spoke about that the term racist itself is something that kind of needs to be desensitized. Mm. He was saying that we are all racist. He is yep. also racist. And, but there's, but there's being, you know, but there's the act of being racist rather than being a racist. There's the verb instead of the noun and we can all be racist mm. and there's nothing wrong. Well, obviously there's nothing wrong with being racist, but, but the idea is, is that if you are being racist is then listening to why you're being racist and trying to do something about it is, but because people hear the term, Oh, that's racist. Mm. Then their automatic reaction is they want to defend that they're not. Mm. And, and he's saying, no, no, no one's saying you are a racist, but what you said was racist. And there is yep. a difference to that. And um, a lot of people say, and I've also heard it myself, that he really brings up the interesting argument about when people say they don't see color. So mm. for them, they don't see the difference but they, they, you know, for them, we're just one holistic whole and we're all human beings, man. Mm. But he said that that is actually a problem because it's not good enough being a non-racist. You have to be an anti-racist. Correct. And, and so if you don't see colour, then you won't actually see if people are being discriminated against mm. because of their colour. And in order to be a kind of an ally or to be an anti-racist, you need to, say, you need to be able to basically say without feeling racist that this person across from me is a black man or a black woman. Mm. And there's nothing wrong with recognizing that Mm. because if you don't recognize it, then someone else could be, yeah, could be being discriminatory towards them or an institution could be at your workplace and you won't notice it because you won't see the difference. Well, I mean, if, if to, to follow on from that, if you're going to be anti-racist, then that means that you're going to act against racism. So, like when you say, you know, you hope that you would act if you saw something like that. You know, yeah. I, I'm pretty sure you would. You know, I would definitely. And like, you know, you're you're right. I hope like, I would. You know, basically, you would, you would, of course, you would. If you saw someone spitting on somebody because they were wearing a hijab, you would do something. I, I believe in you, Mike. Do you know <laughs> what I mean? I, I would I hopefully, believe- I would hopefully go and see if that person who'd been spat on was okay. Yeah, well, of course. Yeah, yeah. yeah that's basically. But um, yeah, and I think like that I said, is as soon as you as soon as you get your phone out, it's over for that for the, whoever's doing that because they, it's uh, and uh, they, they will know that because as soon as somebody gets hold of that, they're going to be in trouble. Yeah. You know, you you can't do that, and you know you don't have to be violent to be anti-racist. You know, you can simply stop 
people. You can stop people pretty easily because, like, you know, there are laws against that sort of thing, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So there well, you, go. You, you know, that was my news of the week. Yeah. <laughs> there news you go. The that, yeah, that was it. <laughs> you know, that's, uh, that's an, up, a, an uplifting story for everybody. Ooh. But, um, yeah, it, yeah, I, um, but I think as you said to me one time, and I'm sorry for any Danish people listening, but you said white, rich, sort of northern country <laughs> is a little bit racist. Wow, what a surprise. <laughs> I remember you said that a few years ago. Yeah. And um, yeah, you know, no, it, is a very- mean, it, it, it shows out, you know, how, how true that is. Basically, that's what we always end up talking about because like it's uh, mm. it's always in the news is um, uh, is is effectively the, the you know, the, the, the far, far right attitudes towards yeah. non-Western origin people <laughs> so it's uh you know it's when we talk about sort of foreignness uh, a lot of the time we do revert to this because it's uh, it's effectively the it's the sort of racism which is most most reported on when we talk about news so um yeah so there about, you go i think, I think I, I went on one about date on ricky yeah. <laughs> oh yeah that was good yeah. Yeah. but you see like our, our, our podcast mike is, is a reflection of the societies in which we live you know oh it's reflexive amazing. That's, that sounds amazing. That it's yeah. specular. <laughs> it's meta, <that>. meta. <laughs> Fucking meta. <laughs> yeah, that's it. <laughs> so um, there you go. So yeah, no. there you go. Well, that was uh, that was the news of the week. Yeah, my mum, Mike, has has, uh, has recorded a news of the week jingle. Seriously. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Wow. Okay. Uh, well, I'll, uh, I'll, have I'll, you heard it? Uh, yeah, I have heard it, but uh, can you not I'll, edit it in, like in this conversation? I, I might, I might edit, edit it in, in so, so we can all hear if you, it. If you if you hear this jingle at this point, this is my mum. <laughs> okay, great. News, news of the of the week, 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 week. News, news of the of the week, 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 week. Yeah, your mum's been rather complimentary. She, uh, she yeah, but uh, she my mum, she 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 loves what we're what we're doing, Mike. Thanks, we're changing, thanks, we're changing the world. That's yeah. it. Her name's, her name's Aid. Hi, Aid. Hi, Aid. And you, uh, you, you you lift us up every week, Aid. And a colleague, a colleague of mine called Stacy, um, English guy. He says that um, I've forgotten. He, he told me the word. He said he sent me the word, so it's his fault, but he didn't. He said that my 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 voice is very kind of um, I don't know almost like audio it sounds it's like a good kind of level it's very listenable i like that yeah very audio uh it's almost like being kind of picturesque but in sort of audio-ness my god if that kind of makes any yeah he he found the word and he told me to send it to me and he didn't but thanks for that stacy that was very nice of you to hear I won't. I, I won't tell him. I won't tell you what he said about your voice, Pat. But um, <laughs> it, no. uh, oh yes. <laughs> but I think the co- yeah. But there you go. That's just a couple of uh, bits of feedback. But yeah, I can't wait to hear the jingle. Can't wait. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, that was the news. So we're gonna rattle on for another ten minutes uh, about going to school. Is that what we're going to talk about? That is what we've agreed to talk about. Okay, let's do it. Uh, so we're going to t- talk a bit more about uh, going to school. Have you got something you specifically want to talk about, Mike? Well, I actually want to ask you because it seems something that I've kind of um, maybe haven't thought about too much, but you're actually studying in French, right? Yep, that's it. Yeah, yeah. And right. so you're writing in French and your yep. lessons are in French mm-hmm. and everything's in French. You see, because, well, when I did social sciences, that was in Danish. But okay. I actually got um, kind of dispensation so that I could write 
most of my papers in English, or all of them, in fact. And mm-hmm. I would just use like the Danish textbook. So if I was doing quotes or everything, that would be in mm. Danish. But everything I was writing was in English. So I say it's all in French, but it's actually it's actually not. I'm doing a creative masters, and quite a few of the seminar are in English actually. So we're doing once a day. Uh, we did one for like three hours, which was about drag. Uh, that was all in English. The, the researcher that did that, he spoke in English. He's actually French, but it's it's kind of a bilingual course. But right. all of my papers are. Are written in French, yeah, almost. Well, I'm trying to think. Yeah, all of them are. I don't think I've written anything in English. Actually. Isn't it like, like really it's, hard? It's all been written in French. Because for me, yeah, learning I'm, language I'm, really... I'm amazing, Mike. That's yeah, well, that's obviously, thing, yeah. because for me, well, no, for like, me, learning like, language is, is my written Danish is is still far behind. Well, not far. Yeah, well, I suppose. Yeah, I can't really be the judge. I feel that it's far behind my spoken Danish, like okay. writing Danish with all the kind of different grammar rules and comma rules and stuff. Obviously, I can write legibly, and I can like write, uh, like you know, I can I, I can write formal Danish, and you know, I can write to my students, I can write to my mm. colleagues, etc. But it's still not, you know, you can still see if you read it as a native speaker that that someone who isn't Danish has written this. You see what I mean? When I when I did my every year in the masters, we have to at the end of at the end of each year, we have to hand in uh, what's called a, a memoir. Uh, so like normally for a master's you have to just hand in one long piece of work at the end I don't know I think that's what it is in England as well I don't know if it's the same in in Denmark but you uh, basically at the end of uh, each year like I have to sort of hand in a uh, my 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 memoir is in Recherche Creation so like I do a I do a creative work and I do a uh, a, a piece of research, a research document that goes alongside it to accompany it. And I think the, I mean, the novel I wrote was like 200 pages long and the research document was about 30 pages long, something like that. I don't know, in probably, French. I don't know how many words of that. And it was all in French. Yeah. I mean, that's just like, that is, you know. But uh, they, I had to get, I had to get it checked, obviously. Like, yeah. you know, I had to, I had to pay for somebody to read that because it was, um, you're right. I mean, for me to write natively is pretty hard. I mean, you know, I probably take about twice as long to to write something in French because I have to. I mean, obviously, there are a lot of tools that you can use now. You know, the, to to sort of like check grammar and stuff. I actually don't need it quite as much anymore. I say twice as long. I'm probably doing myself a bit of a disservice, to be honest. You know, I'm I'm pretty bilingual. You're actually faster. You know. I'm a lot. I'm a lot better than I used to be. Put it that way. I mean, right, but okay. I've done a lot. I've done a lot of writing in French. But you're right; it is hard. But then you know, my my degree was in uh, literature and in in sort of meet in media jobs within literature. So I sort of did literature and uh, media training on the side as well, and it was all in French. I, there was none of that was in English at all. So I did a, a, I mean, I'm a pretty big reader, so I did a huge amount of reading in French. And um, the uh, the at degree level, the teachers are a lot more uh, forgiving of right. uh, grammatical sort of errors because, you know, the, the, the... It's more what you're the, saying rather than how you're saying Yeah, it exactly. The yeah. general... Cons- I mean, to be honest, a lot of French people, they make a lot of mistakes in, in writing. French is difficult. You know, it's not, um, especially if you're an Anglophone. I mean, you know, French is a, is a very tough language to learn grammatically. It's, uh, it's. Well, I mean, Pat, if you could do it, then, you know, it can't. Well, exactly. Exactly, yeah. you know, the whole. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, uh, but like, even a lot of French people, you see, there are a lot of word that's, words that sound exactly the same, but are written, written dif- differently depending on the grammatical context. Right. So, 
there are there are two C. There are three, in fact, four. Don't know. That's C apostrophe uh, C E S S E S C apostrophe E S T blah blah blah. Yeah. Okay. So like, um, I mean, like famously, though, you know, sa is one that people always get wrong. S A sa is it means his or like it's a a, pon- a possessive pronoun or right. a, or a yeah it's a, pon- a possessive pronoun. Yeah, his hers etc. Yeah. His etc etc and yeah. um, uh, sa. Um, I, I, I was just wanting to show that I knew what a possessive pronoun was. <laughs> you know, yeah. And the other sa is a C with a little squiggle at the bottom. It's called. All right, I, yeah. I can't remember what that's called. Like yeah. hilariously, it's called it's a sidil or something. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Uh, which is C A, uh, which means that. And uh, famously, I mean, you see it in like chat all the time. People just get it wrong, you know. So teachers kind of expect it, and to be honest, like a lot of teachers are pretty extremely complimentary of my of my level of French I think a lot of I mean I was told like pretty, uh, quite regularly certainly in the early days you know there were there were teachers who were just like you, you seriously you're gonna find this really hard you know to actually sort of like do a, a literature degree as a foreigner in a foreign language yeah yeah I mean that's it, it, yeah. it's gonna be tough you know but I did it because I'm awesome yeah, if we just edit that bit out. But yeah, um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, it, it, it did sort of strike me because, yeah, as I said, I, I, I studied English, so that's a bit of a cop out. So I, mm. with the books I read in English, you know, I wrote English. But do you, I mean, did do you, you feel... not did, did you not do any of your reading in Danish at all? Did you not read any Danish books or anything? Uh, not literature, no. But when I read um, social sciences, politics, sociology, economy, yeah, that was all, the, oh, well, all of it. Some of it was in Norwegian, but it's pretty much the same. And there was maybe a couple of English texts and stuff, but yeah, most of that was either in Danish or. Uh, so did you? I mean, when you read Danish now, like just to sort of get away from school a bit, say you read a newspaper or whatever, are you yeah. ever stuck for vocabulary or anything like that? Is there any? Every, do you? Is there any word that you don't? Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I have to look words up sometimes, yeah, or there's yeah. uh, sort of idioms that I think, okay, I'm not really familiar with that. And even today, hmm. uh, not today as in today, but um, um, uh, you know, the last few months. I'll hear people say things, idioms, and I'll, mm. and I'll be able to work out what they mean by it, but I would have never heard it before. And I've been here like mm. 24 years. I go, oh, that's mm. a new one. Mm. You know, that's a new one. And yeah, but you can sort of work out what they mean in context. But, um, you know, but yeah, as I said, just, um, I suppose, yeah, reading a lot of French and having to write a lot of French, you just, you just, you know, you're just going to get good at it. You know, that's I just- think I, I think I was a lot more vigilant than a lot of the other students. I remember you saying when we talked about school before that you were, you were pretty vocal in your classes and you, you know, it sounded to me like you put, you know, you were quite passionate, put a lot of effort in. And, um, yeah, maybe that, that is one of the, uh, that is one of the keys of being a, being a foreigner in school. Like, I don't want to generalize, but like, uh, sometimes I can really push you because there's kind of no plan B. <laughs> you kind of like, if you know, I, someone said to me exactly, in fact, it was the the Egyptian lady I, I used to know, like she, um, she said to me once, she was just like, si on est étranger, on a pas le droit de, de, de chouer. It means if you're a foreigner, you don't have the right to fail. You know well, I mean? Like at the time I was like European, this was like pre, pre-Brexit, but if she failed, you see, she was out, you know, right. because she wouldn't, be, she wouldn't be able to get another student visa, you know. They're, they're, um, okay, in that sense, yeah. yeah. They're, they're renewed every year, so she had to pass. And like, uh, I mean, you know, for example, I mean, we did the, we did core on... I said core cause the French for lesson. Yeah. We did core on things like Dostoevsky. So we, we had to I had I read Crime and Punishment in French. Wow. 
that's, I know, that's, that, my, that's that, probably that, my favourite book ever. But that's I, in I, I, re- I really love that book. Yeah, I, I <laughs> yeah, read it. It's, it's amazing. I read it in English and French, and like yeah. there were students that obviously that just just didn't read it, and it was just like, well, you know, it, it's a. Uh, I, 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 I think. Wikipedia, mate. Yeah, I. <laughs> <laughs> I put in a lot of effort to make sure that I could understand French and, like, you know, doing things like that, which, you know, like reading massive books in French uh, is, is how I did it. Size is important. You know. Size yeah, is important, Mike. War and Peace in French. <laughs> I've, never read, I've never read War and Peace in French, man. But my final question to you is I suppose because I mentioned it when we spoke about school last time. It's like today, for example, where you said that you had a course or recently you had there was a lecture given in English. Do you feel any kind of uh, pressure on yourself or maybe not pressure, pressure is the wrong word, an expectation that perhaps everyone kind of looks to you, okay, well, he is now going to understand this better than all of us mm. because he's English. Or maybe that you feel that you should understand it more than everybody else. I think else I, I think I have that you're done, English. You know, I could definitely relate to what you were saying. You know, I, I've been in some in the first year of my masters. You see, like we had these, we have to do these text reading seminars. So we get given these texts in English, and then we sort of get split up into groups, and then the groups have to do a presentation about that text in English, like a uh, explaining the text, basically, sort of breaking it down into into various bits and explaining it in English. So you know, we take it in turns as a group. And I think, you know, there, there were definitely times when I spoke too much. Do you know what I mean? Because I, I was effectively just like showing off, you know, because, you know, some of the texts were really difficult. Like we, um, we did have some tough ones last year. We do, and obviously the, the level of English of the other students is kind of, you know, there's I can speak English and there's I can speak English. Do you know what yeah, I mean? Yeah. And obviously, you know, their, their levels, you know, risen massively over the two years. Um, and I definitely did learn that, you know, there were probably times where I should just shut up. You know yeah, I mean? that's what I kind of learned, or didn't learn, but that's what I learned on reflection. <laughs> that's sort of what I learned on reflection, that uh, yeah. maybe uh, less is more. But then, uh, like, the, this year, we I mean, we had the same seminars, and uh, obviously with different texts. And to be honest, I, I kind of feel that sometimes I have a role to speak, because, you know, sometimes the texts are really difficult. I mean, you did social, you've heard of a guy called Stuart Hall, right? Social Sciences. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say yeah. Doesn't sound clever. <laughs> yeah. uh, he, he did because uh, we do like media stuff. stuff. Like, yeah, yeah. He um. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I mean, his, his texts. Yeah. His texts are fucking hard. Like you know, I, I'm not a massive fan of social science just because it's so hard sometimes. I'm just like, yeah. oh my god, like it's a. Uh, you know, it's, yeah. sometimes it can be pretty complicated shit. And, it can, um, yeah. And at, that, at that level, it is really common. I, mean, yeah, yeah, I struggle at that level, on that level. A yeah, master's level. And, yeah, and, obviously, yeah. and it's in English as well. So they're doing it in like a foreign language. And I know what that feels like. Sometimes you're just like, I do not understand this. Do you know what I mean? It's just like, I don't, you know, I can look up all the words you like. You know <laughs> yeah. what I mean? I don't, I don't get it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. Uh, and sometimes like I, I can see that happening. And I, you know, I, I sort of stick my hand up and I'll kind of explain it. And, yeah. you know, it's, uh, and I, I can do that for them. And, and, you know, I feel like I'm helping rather than kind of overriding them now, if you see what I mean. Yeah. So I've learned that, you know, that's good because I, I know. Well, that's you know, what I, reason- would, I suppose I tried to do, but I think I just tried to do it too much. Yeah. There's a, there is a fine line, I think. Yeah. But, there uh, we go. Yeah. That kind so of wraps up the whole education. So, you know, we can do a part three if there's popular, <laughs> you know, backed by popular demand. 
people, if people want to hear more about it, <laughs> more about me being in school. Yeah, more about me being in school. But I, I think I think a lot of people, um, especially foreign students, or maybe just students in general who have mm. been around a foreigner, you know, should should be able to relate to, yeah. Because as you said yourself, there's a lot of French students, and there would have, you know the whole class would be full of Danish students, mm. and with a Danish teacher talking English to them, and uh, you yeah, know talking yeah. about English literature. So mm. I, I, I think this could, you know, uh, yeah, I, I think a lot of people uh, should be able to, in some way, relate to to it. I think so. But um, apart from uh, people, um, apart from a few emails saying that if we just pay about three thousand euros into an account. <laughs> That it'll unlock some kind of massive amount, and we'll get seventy-five million. We haven't really had any uh, emails, Pat. Uh, so this is this is shocking. I, I would say <laughs> to basically anybody who has listened to this to this point, send us an email. What's the email address, Mike? It's uh, the foreign podcast at gmail dot com. I mean, and what, what's our Instagram account? It's at foreign podcast. There you go. Well, yeah. like there we are. We're just sitting there waiting for your messages, listener. Yeah, so and like, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I, I think listener is more sort of uh, is more accurate. But if the one listener would send us an email, oh, but it. again, obviously, if you have anything to say, any comments, any um, ideas, anything you want to hear about, then obviously let us know. Otherwise, we'll just continue. We'll just continue doing exactly what We're we want, gonna, how we want, and when we want to do it. it. That's yeah, it. yeah. You, you will not be able to get rid of us. <laughs> that's uh, that, 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 that's the overriding message from this episode. We're going nowhere, Pat. <laughs> I like that, Mike. There's, yeah. uh, there's, ne- there's never been a truer thing to say. Okay, right, well, uh, many thanks for listening, all of you yep. who are still here. Uh, Mum, send me an email. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> and uh, we'll see you again in a couple of weeks. Yeah, see ya. Bye. Bye.